What a blessing it is uh, to be led by Daniel and Eleanor this morning. I remember, shoot, probably six, seven years ago, showing Daniel how to play his first chords on guitar. And now here he is gunning for my job. <laughs> I can remember uh, doing middle school chapels with Eleanor back at RCA at the O'Neill location. Uh, and as their youth pastor, as the worship pastor here at Redeemer, it's just a blessing for me to get to see their growth and see them uh, just grow into the leaders that they are uh, ready to serve this church. So um, that being said, as we've already mentioned, this is Youth Sunday. So last spring, as Preston and I were preparing for the summer, uh, one of our main goals was to get our youth room finished. And so we, uh, we wanted to have a space for our students. Since I've been at Redeemer, going on seven years now, We've always just met in the sanctuary. We've never had a youth room. We've always met in the sanctuary, uh, which has been great. But we were like, man, we need to have a space for these kids to come, to feel welcome, to feel like they have a home, right? This, is, this has been nice, but it's like we want a place for them to feel like they have a home. So we took the classroom wing over there, and we're going to let you all see some of it. But we took the classroom wing. There was three classrooms. We knocked out one wall. We did an opening in another wall. And so basically we made three classrooms, one bigger room, which is going to be our youth room. And this summer we had uh, many volunteers come help us paint it. We had people donate things, which we're all thankful for. Uh, We got to see the church come together and help us with this opportunity. And so now, today is the launch of our youth room. And so uh, midway through the summer, I was thinking, I was like, Preston, how cool would it be to have a youth Sunday where we get to announce our youth room, we get to do kind of a grand opening, have everyone come, and we can bring youth group to church, right? We can do fun games. We can do silly things like that. We can give away money, right? Preston needs to get on that. That's one thing. Since I've been here, I ain't never given away money. So y'all going to have me preaching a lot more, I'll tell you what. Um, so we were like, let's have a youth Sunday to celebrate this, uh, this joyful thing. So this morning is a little taste of youth group. It's a little less uh, or a little more low-key this morning. You know, we like to bring in a lot of junk food. But I figured if we did that, y'all would get a sugar rush and y'all would be passed out by the time I, uh, I started speaking. So we didn't want that. Uh, but we did want y'all to get a little taste of what youth group is like. So that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our text this morning. Because at youth group, we always play fun games. Uh, we do silly stuff. But then we also have worship and biblical teaching every youth group. So uh, will you join me together? We're going to be in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Verses 7 through 30. So it's a big chunk of text. You'll have to bear with me. I'm not the best reader. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 7 through 30. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. 
But the water that I will give him will become in in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek, or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot, And went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, just an opportunity to gather here and celebrate the good news of the gospel. And I pray that this morning you can speak through me to communicate that good news, to communicate the good news that Jesus brings us. And that when we hear that good news and when we know it, we will be ready to share it, share it with others. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Now at youth group, my teaching style is a little bit more interactive. I like to ask questions to the audience. I got to make sure the students aren't falling asleep or texting, you know. So in order to give you all the true experience, I'm going to be doing the same thing this morning a little bit. So has anyone here, this is an open question, Ever thought to themselves, I have to tell somebody, blank, right? I have to tell somebody something. Let's get some, let's get some examples. Who we got? A time in your life where you experienced something that could have been good news, something happened to you, something, uh, something crazy, and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to tell somebody, right? When you see a new movie, it's so good, you want everybody to know. When you see a good movie, and you're like, oh, but you can't spoil it. You can't be that person, because no one likes that person. What you got? My beautiful wife, everyone. Come on. Come on. When you find out you're having twins. When you find out. You stole my example. Are you kidding? When you find out you're having twins. Right. What else we got? Evangeline. I saw a squirrel on campus one time eating chicken bone. That's pretty wild when you see a squirrel eating a chicken bone. Right. Anyone else? Going once, going twice. Well, Ashley, my beautiful bride, did steal my example. So just recently, right, Ashley and I found out some of the craziest news we've ever experienced. Right? We're sitting in a doctor's office, or a, uh, what's it called? Ultrasound appointment. And the text's like, oh, look, there's your baby. We see a heartbeat. Everything looks great. And there's baby two. And we're like, what? Like, you were, 
way too nonchalant about this, right? We're like, hold up, like, you gotta, you gotta slow down there. I, I immediately stand up, I'm pacing, I'm like, come on, what? You know? And so she's like, yeah, you're having twins. And we're like, immediately we're struck with like fear and joy and nervousness and excitement. It's like all these emotions are going through. And we, we get to the car and what do we do next? We go, we got to tell somebody, right? This is, this is too much for just us to, to hold on to. We have got to tell somebody, right? So we called our parents and we're like, hey, we're having twins. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, freaking out. Uh, my dad's just laughing. He's like, ah, <laughs> you know, it's like crazy. This news we had, we had to tell someone. We had just experienced this news and we had to share it, right? So it's my hope that as you leave today, you will fully understand the gospel and the good news that Jesus brings us and that you will think to yourself, I have to tell somebody, right? So a little backstory on our passage. Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. There was a serious tension between them, animosity. Jews wouldn't even speak to Samaritans. So the way I think about it with my little mind, I'm like, well, it's like LSU and Bama fans, right? It's football season. You know, LSU and Bama fans, especially during football season, we don't like each other, right? We don't want to hang out. So this woman, particularly the woman at the well, um, she was considered an outcast even among her people, right? And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But what happens at the beginning of this story is very important. And I think you have to have that in mind when you uh, read it. So let's look at John 4, verses 7 through 9. It says, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So this would be like me, being an LSU fan, going to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right? In the middle of a big Bama tailgate, and I'm like, hey, you, give me a drink, right? It's like, they'd be like, what? Like, no, you don't come to us and ask us for a drink, right? We don't, we don't talk together, right? But so what I want us to see here, and this is the first point of our good news, is that Jesus seeks after us, Right? Jesus seeks after us. That's the first point of our good news. This woman was a Samaritan, and she was an outcast among her people. Yet Jesus engaged with her. Jesus didn't need anything from this woman. This is the God of the universe we're talking about, right? He didn't need anything from her, but he wanted something from her. Jesus didn't really want her water, right? Although that's what he asked, he didn't really want her water. Jesus wanted her worship. So Jesus didn't need anything. In fact, he came to take something from her. He came to take her shame and to take her guilt in exchange for righteousness. And I just think that's a beautiful picture of the character of God. And we're going to unpack that more in a little bit. Now, Jesus' reply to the Samaritan woman in verse 10 is great. And I think this sets up the whole passage. Right? So she says, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you dealing with me? Why are you associating with me? Okay, so it's just like the Bama fan at the tailgate. He's like, hey, you're an LSU fan. We're Bama fans. Why are you, why are you coming to us? And let's look at what Jesus says in verse 10. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So this response by Jesus basically demands the Samaritan woman to think, right? She has to think, okay, number one, who is he? 
right? Look at the way he speaks. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, you know, so he's like, if you knew who I am, right, you'd be asking me for water, right? So it, it makes the Samaritan woman think, okay, who is he and what is this gift of God? Who is he and what is this gift of God? Jesus is laying the foundation for everything he is about to do. And this is all a part of the good news that we're going to unpack this morning. And so let's jump ahead to verse 13. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So Jesus is using the analogy here of being thirsty, right? Something we can all relate to. We've all been thirsty before, right? When you wake up in the morning, you typically get a drink of water. When you eat lunch, eat breakfast, dinner, you want a drink to go with it, right? When you go to bed, you get a drink to go with it. We like drinking so much that we have cups that will keep our drinks cold for like way too long and cups that will drink our, or keep our drinks hot for way too long, right? Drinking is very valuable to all of us. That's because it's necessary. Whenever we're thirsty, we drink, right? After doing a little research, I found it interesting that a human can go without food for about three weeks, right? Which is way too long. I can hardly make it to lunch. But a human can go without food for three weeks. But on the other hand, a human can only go three to four days without water. So water is very necessary, right? So Jesus is using this as a way to communicate how necessary it is. So what is the good news? Our first point was that Jesus seeks after us. And our second point is that Jesus is life and he gives us life. Okay? So in the same way that water is necessary for living, in the same way that we can't go three to four days without water, Jesus is the only way to eternal life. We see in John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We see in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus is telling this woman, look, in the same way that you come to the well to draw water, only one who gives you hope. You can come to me for your eternal satisfaction and that I'm the only one who gives you hope. Okay, so let's really dig into what's happening here. We've got Jesus at this well. He encounters this Samaritan woman and he speaks to her. He says, give me a drink. Now, in today's culture, I'll be honest, it seems pretty off-putting, right? When I read it, I'm like, dang, Jesus. Like, he walks up, he's like, you, give me a drink. I'm imagining, like, coming home to Ashton, I'm like, woman, give me a drink. She'd be like, man, you sleeping on the couch, right? Okay? But what Jesus is doing is he's setting this up for the exchange, right? In exchange for the drink, Jesus offers her a fountain that will never run dry. Now, let me clarify, God is not about taking anything from you. God is not about taking things from people. It's rather the opposite. God is about the exchange. He says, if you give me a little cup from this well, if you give me a little cup, I will give you a fountain that never runs dry. If you give me what is finite, what is limited, I will turn it around and give you what is infinite. Right? He says, give me a cup of water. And in exchange, I will give you a fountain that never runs dry. And the same thing is true in our worship. When you give God what you have, 
he will return you a fountain of living water that leads to life everlasting. Like I said earlier, Jesus didn't want her water, right? He's the God of the universe. He didn't want her water. He wanted her worship. Look at the widow's offering in the book of Matthew. It wasn't the amount that she gave. It was her worship that Jesus valued. She gave him all that she had, and that's what Jesus wants from us, right? He wants us to give him what we have. So what is the good news? Jesus seeks after us. Jesus is life and gives us life. And then lastly, there's no one too far gone for Jesus. Let's continue picking up in verse 13, or 15, sorry. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly, the woman said to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So Jesus suggests to her, he says, hey, go grab your husband. Bring him here. In which she replies, I don't have one. He's like, yeah, that's right. You've had five and the one you're with now ain't even your husband. So again, to clarify, Jesus is not saying all of this to shame this woman or to tear her down or make her feel bad. It's rather the opposite. Jesus is using her life story as a way to reveal to her her need for a Savior. Like I said earlier, Jesus didn't need anything from this woman, but rather he came to take her shame and guilt in exchange for righteousness, in exchange for the living water that he provides. Now You may be thinking, well, you don't know the terrible things I've done, and you don't know what I do on the weekend or what I do late at night, and I don't. But God does. And the same God that does is the same God that knew the Samaritan woman. And he knew everything that she was going through. And he knows us. He knows all of our baggage. And yet, while knowing our baggage, he still seeks after us. He is life. He gives us life. And there is no one that is out of his reach. So that is the good news, right? The good news that Jesus is seeking after you. He wants a relationship with you. He's going to pursue you. And he's coming to you saying, hey, listen, I just want your worship. Give me the little that you have and I will take it and I'll use the little that you have to do amazing things. So now what? We've got this good news, right? Let's jump ahead to verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went to the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. So after Jesus shared with her this good news, right? She thought, I have to tell somebody, right? She experienced this good news. She immediately dropped her water pot and she thought, I have to tell somebody, right? When she saw Jesus' pursuit after her, when she saw that he gives life, that he is life, and when she saw that she wasn't too far gone, that Jesus came for her, 
She couldn't think, I have to tell somebody. Even to the point where she left her water pot, right? The things of this world, the distraction of this world, she's like, that doesn't matter anymore, right? This cup of water doesn't matter anymore. It's the infinite that matters. She left behind the distractions of this world. And that is what Jesus wants from us. Once we experience the good news of the gospel that Jesus brings to us, we can't help but not want to share that, right? So as I was preparing for this Sunday, I was thinking about all the things going on at Redeemer right now. We had the launch of our fall life groups last week. We had our, uh, Ash and I did our college group with Caleb and Gabby on Wednesday night. It was awesome. We had a great turnout. We were really encouraged about this semester. Uh, We have the launch of our Redeemer Youth Room, as well as our youth group, which starts on Wednesday night, this Wednesday. Super excited about that. We have baptisms coming up, uh, I believe, next week and the following week, and I believe one more even after that. Um, So we're super excited about that. We have our church-wide tailgate coming up in two weeks. Now, LSU stinks, but we can all still get together, right? (laughs) We can't be excited about LSU, but we can be excited about what's going on at Redeemer. Okay? And that statement kept popping up in my head, right? I have to tell somebody. It's like I feel like there's so much fun, great, exciting things going on at church. I have to tell somebody, right? So it kind of made me think. If you're involved in a life group, reach out to somebody. Tell them. Say, hey, we had our life group. We had our first one. It was really awesome. I would love to invite you to come check it out, right? Someone that might be looking for community, someone that you know that might need an opportunity to get plugged in. If you're a youth in this room or a parent of a youth or know someone that's got kids in middle and high school, say, hey, listen, we've got a new youth group that our church is launching. I think your kids would really like to check it out. I think they'll have fun. You know, our first youth group is this Wednesday, and so it's just a great opportunity to reach out to them. If you are getting baptized, I know there's a few in this room, and or know someone that is getting baptized in the next couple weeks, tell your friends and family. What an awesome proclamation of what Christ has done in your life, right? And what a good example for others. If you like football or even if you don't, you just like good food and fellowship, come to our tailgate and invite your friends, right? These are all opportunities to share the love of Christ with others, right? To invite them and say, hey, there's something awesome going on over here. Christ is doing some stuff, and I think you would like to check it out. So think back to that that main question I asked you today. I have to tell somebody. Have you ever thought to yourself, I have to tell somebody, right? And think to that moment. For me, it was the twins. I was like, man, I have to tell somebody. For others, it was a movie, right? And that's the feeling Christ wants us to have when we experience his goodness, when we experience his grace, when we experience the good news of the gospel. Jesus wants us to put put behind the distractions of this world, to drop our water pail, and to go, to go tell others. And look what happened at the end in John chapter 4, verse 30. It says, They went out of the city and were coming to him. And these are the people that the Samaritan woman had talked to. They went out of the city and were coming to him. So God used this Samaritan woman, this broken woman, to further his kingdom. And that's the same thing God can do with all of us in this room this morning. He wants us to go out and to share. He's going to take the limited that we have, the finite that we have, our cup of water, and he's going to use it to do his work. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Dear God, we thank you for this message this morning. We thank you for 
the good news of the gospel. The good news that you seek after us, that you are always pursuing us. We thank you that you are life and that you give life. That you take the little that we have, the little that we can bring, and you use it for your goodness and your glory. And we thank you that there is no one too far gone. That though our sin is great, your love is greater. And I pray that this morning that we can truly just sit on that message and that we can see the good news that you bring us and that in light of that good news that we would just want to tell somebody that we will want to share the good things that you are doing in our own lives and in the lives of others at our church, with our family, with our friends. That is the good news of the gospel. So we just rejoice in that this morning. And it's in your name we pray.